0: Welcome to a Higher Future podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Gravagna. I'm joined with my co host, Yubi Simonieri. Today, we have our guest, Caroline Stokes, the author of Elephants Before Unicorns. She is the CEO of Forward Executive Search. She is winner of the Marshall Goldsmith Leading Global Coach Award and host of the Intelligent Recruiter podcast, which has a compilation of almost 70 episodes. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to spend some time with you both. All right.
2: Yes. Welcome. We're very excited. You're, so you, right now you're you're in Vancouver, British Columbia, right?
1: That's right. And uh, we're you know in the middle of COVID. We've just found out that six thousand six hundred. Uh, sorry six just over six and a half thousand companies uh died over uh, covid and uh oh, wow. we're all doing what we can to move move the province and the country forward
2: and so that that number was just in british yeah, columbia
1: that but was bit- in british columbia yeah so that's that's an oh. awful lot of businesses in a very very short period of time uh, well, not that short, short period of time, you know. Obviously, in the past year, but that impacts, as you can imagine, the knock-on effect for everyone is just absolutely huge. And uh, it's 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 been a very very difficult year for businesses, for sure.
0: There, there's this idea of a forest fire. After the forest fire, the forest floor is um, fertile but different, and things can can grow there that weren't able to grow before because of the shade. I'm wondering if there's a future that we're looking at where things will be quite different in the business world because of all of this clearing of Mm. of what's been lost. And now there's an opportunity for regrowth or rebirth.
1: And I completely agree. I think that's a really optimistic viewpoint. I think the challenge is that when people, you know what it's like, when people are in that, in the moment, they feel like their life has been taken away from them, all of it, whether it's their restaurants takeout business uh the hair salon whatever whatever it is it's a huge blow for them so for, for small businesses for large businesses it's a huge blow for them as well but one once you can get out of that or you can put that optimistic lens on it it's like okay how can we do make it better how can we do have redo the whole thing all over again and um I remember having a conversation with somebody quite recently that um, uh, many years ago, a couple of decades ago, he lost his restaurant in a, in a fire because there was a fire and it was arson. And um, oh. he said that once everything had been cleared up from an insurance perspective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he was able to do a, re- a complete redo. And it was actually you know, very refreshing and re- invigorating. But I think it's going to take a long time for people to, to feel that way.
0: Yeah, that was a, bit, a literal fire, right? And, and
1: yeah. yeah, a literal <laughs>
0: fire. <laughs> oh my! Um, so, you wrote "Elephants Before Unicorns" before the pandemic. Um, what is that title about?
1: Ooh, I love answering this question because I I think I change it ever so slightly every single time. So Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company is all about organizations finding the elephants in their room or their organization with their people, with their teams, with their own beliefs and biases uh, and the way they work on a day-to-day basis to then understand how you need to change your organization so you can attract and retain and Evolve your organization uh, to 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 and attract the unicorns that you want to really be able to bring forward. Uh, one of the unicorns that uh, there's there's many unicorns in the book, but how I like to talk about it now, uh, so long after it was published, and the COVID year has just like completely like drained everybody, and it's like okay, how do we explain it for today's listener? And the, now, during COVID time, we've got this unique challenge whereby uh, you've got employees that are advocating and they're, they're moving things, they're very influential. They want to be in a, the right kind of organization. So they're actually speaking up or pushing up to the senior management to say, this is what we're expecting. This is how we should be working, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, because really that's how it should be. Usually the C-suite is so high and so far away from the the current reality. When when we talk about Black Lives Matters, when we talk about the societal and economic changes, it's not just about whether or not they can afford the yacht. It's whether or not these people can afford to eat whilst looking after their grandmother or having to homeschool and doing all of these different things. So it's even more important now for organizations to adapt to our new societal and economic norms and to reinvent reinvent the way that we actually do business. And uh, to be able to, I think there's much more real talk in the environment now. Um, some people don't want it still and that's okay. Maybe they'll, they, you know, it, it, that happens. We we all live in denial, or we're burned out from just too much the tsunami of of data that comes across. But in this particular situation, it's just so important for for people to learn how to communicate and find better ways to move forward. And it just takes a quick a quick conversation.
0: It it sounds like mm-hmm. what you might be saying is that what the conversation that was happening before the pandemic. Mm-hmm was more superficial and yep. now we're re- really getting to brass tacks on on what needs to change in terms of uh, organization growth. And these elephants in the room have become more life and death, more real, more about allowing people to feed their families and have, um, have income that supports them mm-hmm. as opposed to some of the, the more superficial things people were willing to talk about before.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's gone beyond ping pong tables now. Quite significantly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, right. I think well, that's.
0: Then I, have, I have to ask a different question that I was going to ask you before. Yeah. And it's how would you rewrite your chapter on onboarding?
1: Mm, good question. Now that everything feels very remote, uh, so many people I speak to say, oh, I'm joining a company. I won't even meet anyone. I'm missing that human connection. And as we well know, people didn't want that human connection. They were too overwhelmed with that human connection. There was just too much going on and pointless meetings and things like that. Now it's a case of people are missing and actually noticing and missing the the human dynamics and the cues that they would notice and the 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 unwritten rules that come through through body language and connection and communication that just don't happen in that place i see that actually as a positive uh which it kind of goes be uh, against my belief which is that we all need to work collaboratively and we need to work closely and we need to you know be in the same air air with each other and actually i think times have changed so much now you have to go deeper, faster, quicker with your team. And that requires the same principles, which is on day four, you're having a kickoff meeting with all of the stakeholders. Uh, You're having an EQ assessment during that time, very, very early on. That coach will join you in that journey every single week. Um, to help you evolve. And then day 50, you have a kickoff meeting again to understand what the objectives and challenges are and you, because things, as we know, change it, change so quickly. Uh, and then at the end, there's a 360. And the whole purpose of that is to ensure that all of the stakeholders are super duper incorporated and involved with the with each other and to, and to support that person's success. And what invariably happens now, I remember talking with a woman who uh, was just... Just at the beginning of COVID, and she had just accepted a job at Microsoft uh, in Seattle, and she was relocating from Austin. She missed the snowstorm, thank goodness, this, this uh, past week. Um, and she went through. She went to um, Seattle, and uh, she was saying, "Caroline, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, you know, I'll be doing everything via Zoom or probably Microsoft Teams." And I said to her, "Okay, this is the program that you need to need to adopt." And for you to be successful, and for, for everyone to know what you're doing, so they can support you, and so on and so forth. And uh, she said it was absolutely transformational because you need to give people that permission. Otherwise, they just wait for HR or they wait for their boss. And uh, you, you, you need to be to advocate your own uh, professional success.
2: Well, I, and I think it, it, there's an, a new intentionality yeah. to to our interactions now. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's been completely redefined. I mean, everything from how often are we meeting, you know, do we have to meet in this conference room four times a day? Mm. You know, do we need this meeting? Um, but I think there, there's like this really interesting intentionality that has come out of our experience with COVID and and most of us moving into this remote work. Yeah. Know, because, yeah.
1: It's forced us to completely change how we operate. And I know a lot of organizations have done it so seamlessly, especially if they're in technology. I've noticed as well, that insurance companies are so fast paced now, or they were last year, so fast paced at adapting their, the, the way that they communicate with people. And in, the, in, in, in during that time, they would have probably laid off a lot of people as well. So mm-hmm. that's the other aspect, which is you, you implement tech, you you don't need to have the uh, c- contact and the context with a human being, and I find that quite unnerving. You know, to a, to a degree, it's it, I don't feel safe about it or comfortable about it right now. But I know that it's it's accelerating at such a pace that uh, we're, I think we're now becoming comfortable with it. If, if I can, comfortable sounds too nice. I think we're becoming to we're becoming comfortable. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's that adaption. And I, you know, it's interesting going back to the metaphor, Nicole, you brought up earlier and, and, you know, it, the, we kind of had to break everything down so that we could rebuild it in a better way. Right. Cause you get so deep into building a company and a culture that at some point, like you just, I imagine it's, it's, it's a hard obstacle to stop and look back and go, and this is pre COVID and go we we can rebuild this and most companies don't take advantage don't do that but covid really gave everybody sort of a way to reset in a sense yep. um and and i'm just wondering you know how many do you think companies are taking advantage of that and then you know from there what what does what does the future look like for for work mm-hmm. for companies who did take advantage for those who didn't um and, and and what does that look like moving forward?
1: Mm, I'm going to steal somebody's idea uh, that uh, she's in Australia, and uh, she's a phenomenal uh, um, entrepreneur. She's just started her own recruiting company after being a, an account, not a, a national account manager. And she said it so succinctly, which is organizations or businesses are running in three different lanes right now. You've got the people that are working in a very, very fast lane because they, let's talk about Lululemon and what they're doing in China right now, that there's a highly in demand um, product. And you look at um, Microsoft or any of the, the, the other tech leaders, they've all identified that this moment in time has accelerated the tech space dramatically Mm -hmm. and they're taking advantage of it in phenomenal ways. And with Microsoft, it's easy. They've got LinkedIn, they've got Skype, they've got Microsoft teams and all of these different things that they're wanting to incorporate. And you can see how quickly they're moving things forward because there is this demand and because there is this genuine need for their technology. Uh, So you've got those front runners that are just accelerating at blindingly fast rate, and they're able to to change and chop everything at, at light speed. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the medium-sized companies that are still trying to find their way. And those medium-sized companies, uh, or maybe their products aren't as, as, as accessible or interesting, or they've got various challenges with their product, or the way that they market it, or the, the way that they deliver it, or distribute it, or whatever. Or maybe they've got a really bad track record from the consumer's perspective, and they've got so much that they have to deal with that. Which fire do you put out first? Yeah. And that, and and that's usually, I think, the issue that whereby those companies are the ones that need an awful lot of help. Uh, from a strategic and a consulting, from a consulting perspective, to help them understand how to grow and what have you, because they're just going to they're going to have their hair on fire. And then, sadly, you've got the people who are in the slow lane, which doesn't sound at all attractive. Whereby they're hand to mouth, they cannot find the solutions, they can't run at light speed because they just want to put food on the table, and they're unable to consider for a second just how um, how they're able to improve their business because. They're, they're, it's they can't even deal deal with the basics, or they don't know how you know what the next quarter is going to look like, or whether or not they're even going to be there. And if you remember the first quarter of COVID, we didn't know, we didn't know uh-huh. if we were going to be alive. You know, if this was yeah. going to be a Hollywood movie, you know, end of the world type of scenario. So I think we're at that stage now, and. I, I, the future of work for all of them is that, you've you, number one, you have to adapt, you've got, you've got to create a director, I, I call it, a, and lots of people call them this, so I'm not creating anything unique here, but a board of directors whereby, or coaches, or reliable uh, entrepreneurs that are able to support you in a okay. in a way that can help you think and find uh, solutions, uh, because it's it's a hard, hard road. It's not easy.
0: So yeah. you brought up now support coming in from other humans, advisors, coaches, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and also support coming in from tech and adopting tech. Yes, so much now tech. I'm wondering, and to pull the two together, is, is there something you've seen, and I know you're very connected to the future of work, um, I know that you know a lot of people in the space who are thinking about this sort of thing, and probably, uh, I think you were just sitting in on a panel um, last week, maybe two weeks ago, about the future of work. I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on uh, using AI in recruitment or hiring, and what are your criticisms or um, any kind of pro take you have on that topic?
1: Mm. Uh, AI in recruiting, there's just, I mean, let me, let me just get my, my positive point of view across, and then we'll go <laughs> into the other aspect. Speaking from some, speaking from a place whereby when all there was was LinkedIn and a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and some terrible, terrible, terrible um, uh, client management system, I, I am so grateful that technology is able to transform the way that recruiters work. The challenge is that organisations will fail quite often to understand their own processes how what the uh, in, uh, candidate journey is, is like from end to end uh from the time that they actually put their resume in or they have to retype something or then no, no, nobody provide no, knows the information and they have to provide provide it again or whatever it can be really really challenging for the candidate and in fact I'm i'm having a conversation with somebody quite soon because they're in New York, and they were so frustrated with various um, companies' systems. And he's in marketing, and he said, "I just couldn't believe it. It was the worst possible experience I've ever had, and I will never use. I will never go and use buy, buy from that company again." Mm-hmm. And as I wrote in my book, British Telecommunications, the biggest um, mobile and landline and internet uh, company in in the UK. In my book, I wrote about how. Um, The HR leader came in specifically to change it because their whole candidate experience was horrendous. He didn't just focus on that. He also focused on the hiring managers. He focused on the leaders. So everything was integrated and it created a, a wonderful experience because they could see the drop off. Of people yep, yep. abandoning, unplugging, disconnecting their relationship with uh, British telecommunications. So after several years, they were able to see what the return on investment was, and it was it was absolutely uh, fundamental. Then you've also got, hmm. uh, so to say, a Pyme- Py- Pymetrics. I had to get my mouth around that. Pymetrics. <laughs> you've got Frida Poli and many other sources that are coming up with the technology, and I hope that there will be for example, Beth Porter's technology, where it's all about video conferencing and you're able to interview people through the video conferencing. Uh, and that person that is doing the interviewing is able to get the feedback on themselves on how they performed and how they can make themselves better. And she's, mm-hmm. she's just doing some amazing things with that technology. And then with Frida Poli, she's uh, really focusing on trying to create very clean, uh, uh, unbiased data that will help ensure that people are hiring the right people. and then, as you would have seen in the news in the past week, Google have just I think they just fired a couple of people in their ethics department, which was yeah. it was very interesting and then I read the story about how that woman had been you know challenged and what have you and, and so we all know that there is a very interesting story there. But it, it's the big unknown. And really, there will be, at some stage, I believe, there will be these phenomenal integrated packages that you can get from end to end that will enable the candidates to feel great, the hiring managers to know what's going on, the recruiters to do their job, so they're not they're, they're not burning out every five minutes because they have too much on their workload and they're not creating the, the right experience. And... In, and also they are able to hire people that are aligned with the way the way that their organization is going from a performance perspective. So I'm, I'm encouraged and excited. There's just an awful lot of work to do. And I think and I believe, this is my gut feel only, uh, no facts, no insider tips here, but there's going to be some consolidation. And I think that's going to be the most exciting part then, whether it's Google that does it, whether it's Microsoft that does it whoever the the first mover is uh in that it may be an unknown who knows but it's going to be the most exciting thing that when that happens and uh, i'm going to be keeping my finger on the pulse
2: yeah that does sound exciting Mm. (laughs) well Mm. i think again kind of you know it it goes back to intentionality you know our our, we always talk about ai and, and different technology that i feel like a lot of companies just plug in and let it go because they think it will immediately solve for a bandwidth issue or whatever without thinking about how it's going to impact their Mm -hmm. entire process. I love that story about British Telecom. Uh, You know, Virgin had a similar story in that they actually were able to calculate all the candidates who weren't hired. They were a six to $7 million opportunity as a Virgin customer that they were losing because Mm -hmm. of the candidate experience right and so they figured out like the actual number of look if we treat everybody the same if we treat everybody great and give an amazing candidate experience even if they don't even if we don't hire them they're still going to go uh tell people they're still going to be a customer and they're going to tell other people that they should come you know interview with us because it was such a great experience
1: and i love i love that and you're not going to believe it, but the guy that did that at Virgin then went to British Telecommunications. It's the same guy. Uh, so oh, he- you're kidding! That's so amazing. <laughs> and uh, he's in my book, and I can't remember his name. I feel terrible. I'm terrible with names. Um, and uh, we'll it, it, follow it's, up with
0: you once you remember his name. And we'll yeah, yeah. Write it down somewhere. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Oh, well, that's cool. So, um, yeah, I think just final. So, like, if you had to wrap up your you know, in a, in a couple sentences, like future of work in general, like I, I what I'm hearing is consolidation, because I agree, right? I mean, I think, just in the fact that you've got those three lanes that you talked about, mm-hmm. and some of those companies in the slow lane, aren't aren't going to make it. And so are we going to see a consolidation of efforts between companies, which also lends to what you talked about as well, which is more collaboration, like you know, going outside of your organization to pull together a group of people to help, you know, help us steer the steer the course mm-hmm. to to a better future of work, you know, really collaborating, whether it's with organizations who previously were, um, you know, competitors or I, I don't know. Like I feel like that's well, interesting common. too, right?
1: It's common. Uh, right now, and I was talking to an m and a uh, mergers and acquisitions expert uh, quite recently. She wrote a book about about it because she's usually in charge of all of these uh, these activities. Her name is Jennifer von I remembered her name. Oh, <laughs> I remember a name uh, she <laughs> yes. she she's she saw Covid uh, as an opportunity. Because she could see that when organizations have a te- have technology or they have people or they have a product uh, that is desirable, but you know people want to shift. The past year, I've seen CEOs quit. I've seen CEOs decide that they are uh-huh. just going to want to have their their company um, uh, absorbed into another organization and and for them to you know take the chips away to Barbados or whatever. you know there's there's it's very, very fluid right now, and uh, there's lots of people creating, innovating. I think we're going to be seeing some phenomenal uh, innovations very soon. I have no idea what they're going to look like, but I know that we're, yeah. I, I think we have to get, be prepared for this shift now. Uh, a, a little bit like Clubhouse. Clubhouse has just gone boom. Right, in uh, less than a year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just Incredible. boom. And everybody's wanting to get onto the bandwagon and Facebook are you know, checking them out and all sorts of things like that. So you know, being prepared and open for all of these phenomenal shifts uh, despite the grief of the past year and wherever we might be and to think how uh, how are we able to move forward in this particular area and to just be agile and to feel, feel like you're innovating and pioneering. I mean, what a time to be alive right now. Yes, I'm stealing that from Hamilton, but it's like, wow, <laughs> we're really seeing things. Yeah, really I cool love today. it. So, you know, I think my recommendation is Change is still coming, be open, be excited, and see how it can work for you.
0: The other thing I heard you say is, in not so many words, but will it, <laughs> it um, the world is smaller. It, has, it seems smaller now than it ever has because we're all online and it doesn't matter how far physically we are from each other, the people are right there and in that sense, we can no longer uh, think of people as coming into our lives for a moment and then leaving. If a cup hmm. if a person comes into our lives as a customer, they may ultimately be an employee if they come in as a candidate, they may ultimately be a customer. They may ultimately be who knows what an investor. Uh, we need to treat everyone as though we we will see them again.
1: Yes, absolutely. the Great the point. whole idea of transactional, uh communications where you know you 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 do not pay attention and you do not think about well how can i make that interaction better or that communication better you know you're not expecting to think about that every single time you know that would be very hard work you'd burn out very quickly and you'd overthink things but (laughs) if you can have a strategy and have a, a flow on how to enhance that and have your entire organization think about that as well. You've got that whole integrated process on workplace emotional intelligence that impacts everything, the people, the customers, the, um, your employees, your external partners that you work with and how that will impact your product and then obviously on the other side, you've got the customers and how, how they interact. You want your people to love your custom, Sorry, You want your people to love your product as much as they love doing what they're doing. And mm-hmm. yeah, you have to. I mean, I, we, we all have stories about how people made us feel and how we've still got that you know baggage here, right here in our little solar plexus, about how they made us feel. Companies have that, the power too. Recruiters have that power. Hiring managers have that power to completely decimate that interest and that trust. So we have to take greater responsibility for our own emotional intelligence and how we apply that to those interactions. So we, we can make the greatest possible impact.
2: Oh, so, so many mic drops.
1: You. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're so dumb
2: all day long. I love it. Well, Caroline, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the time. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but it is, it's is—it's really been great to have you. Um, thank you to the audience for, for checking us out. We're you know, we've just launched this podcast. So we're really excited about continuing these conversations about the future of work. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Nicole, as always. And um, yeah, check us out next time. Links will be all over the page and all that stuff. So, all right, take care, everybody.